Well, this morning we're going to talk about finishing and achieving. Through the years, I've had the privilege of being able to pray with football teams, baseball teams at both college and at high school level, and being able to be there while the coach talks to the team. I've had the occasion to be able to give my story about how God touched and healed me growing up as disabled, and to share that with them, and, and to be able to make a connection. Although I had never been an athlete, I was able to make a connection with them. But one of the things that was common with all the sports teams that I ever got the chance to speak to was when I would hear the coach say, gentlemen, we're going to go out, we're going to play four quarters of football. We're going to play to the very last second on the clock. And that's the way life is. We live life 365 days of the year, every single day, pushing to achieve and to get started. There's a story in the Bible about a young man, or a young boy, I should say, that he became king of Israel when he was only seven years old. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Only seven years old. How do you rule a nation when you're seven years old? His name was Joash. And you can read his story in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 24. You can read about his story and his life. And what Joash did was he had mentors around him, but he had a pastor that was very, very influential in his life. The pastor's name was Jehoda. So we're going to call him Pastor Jay this morning. Is that okay? We'll just call him, we'll abbreviate by saying short Pastor Jay. Well, Pastor Jay mentored Joash. He mentored King Joash. He taught him the spiritual disciplines. He taught him how to rule and reign as God had called the king of Israel to rule and reign. And the verse 2 of chapter 24 says, Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But here's a caveat. All the years of Pastor Jay. All the years that he was his pastor, Joash did what was right. And as long as he submitted to his pastor's guidance and his pastor's counsel and his direction, Joash lived right in the eyes of God. But when Pastor Jay died, all of a sudden, Joash began to listen to the wrong advice, and he began to listen to the wrong mentors, and there were a group of officials who came together, and their goal was to flatter the king to get him to do what they wanted him to do. It's why the book of Proverbs says that if you flatter somebody, you're laying a snare for their feet. Whenever you flatter somebody or somebody flatters you, you need to be careful because that flattery is generally an attempt to manipulate you into agreeing with them with what you want them to do. Well, these group of priests or these group of mentors, they caused Joash through their influence to abandon the Lord and to begin to worship the goddess Asherah. And they even erected a, a monument, which was a pole. She was a sex goddess. And caused all of Israel to begin to go following after this God. Asherah involved not only religious sexual orgies, but Asherah involved a total Baal worship because the pagans thought that she was the wife of the god Baal. It's the reason why you read so many times in the Bible about Baal worship demanding the sacrifice of children, Baal worship demanding their all. You see, when you abandon the Lord, when you abandon Christ, or if you refuse to follow Christ, this world will try to consume you and everything in it, though it may promise you 
all the life and all the health that you could ever dream of. Only Jesus can provide you with true life, true health, true peace, true happiness, and true meaning in life. When Jesus said it was finished, what he was saying is, he made a way for our sins to be forgiven and for us to come and to follow the Lord. Well, the end of Joash's life was not as good as the beginning. He didn't play four quarters of football. He didn't play life to the last by following the Lord. As a teenager, there was a word that they used in our church that you don't hear much anymore, and it was the word backsliding. Have any of you ever heard of that word before, backsliding or the backslider? Well, I looked it up again this week, and I could only find it in my King James Version of the Bible, and that is where God said, I will heal the backslider. They've changed the word now because culture really doesn't understand what we mean by backslider anymore. But backslider is someone that abandons the ways of the Lord, someone that turns away from the ways of God. And the Lord says he would heal that person if they would repent. And so I want to talk to you today about finishing life and achieving your goal. This has been an exciting series. January is the month of first fruits. It's a month where we begin a year. It's a month where we put God first in everything we do. And as we start that year this way, then hopefully it's how we're going to live the rest of our lives. In the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, and verse 11, if you would stand with me and then we'll pray this morning, the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says, on with it then, finish the job. Would you say that with me? Finish the job. Let's say it again. Finish the job. On with it then. Finish the job. Be as eager to finish it as you were to plan it. And do it with what you now have. Do any of you remember the, the TV show, The A-Team? And do you remember the end of The A-Team? When he would take his cigar and he'd kind of tap it and he would say, I love it when a I knew some of you would know that. When a plan comes together. You see, it wasn't just the planning. It was when the plan came together and the job was finished. We want to finish what God has called us to do. And if you know it, say it with me. Celebrating God's love by persuading people to become passionate followers of Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to focus in upon you. We pray that you'll help us to worship you with every facet of our life. And God, we give you glory because you will empower us and you will strengthen us. You will equip us, O oh Lord, to finish this race in Christ's name. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Well, when Paul wrote the second chapter of Corinthians, and he wrote in verse, the second book of Corinthians, he wrote in chapter 8, he was telling them basically three things. Number one, God owns everything you have. God owns my life. He owns my talent, my time, my treasures. My family belongs to God. My marriage belongs to God. Even the breath of my lungs belongs to God. Secondly, he's telling me that Jesus gave everything for me so that I could enjoy all that God has for me. As Jesus gave his life for me and he finished what he accomplished at Calvary, then it frees me to live a generous life. You see, one of the ways that you know someone has been born again is that they begin to live a life of radical generosity. They're radical with the giving and sharing of their time. They're radical with the giving and the sharing of their talents. They're radical in their, 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 their giving of all that God has given to them, and they share that. It's not just the tithe, but it's the lifestyle. 
And as Jesus, as Jesus came into this world, listen to this, the Bible says, John 3, 16, you know it, for God loved. Is that what it says? No, it says, for God so loved. It's like God wants to get the emphasis across to you and me. I don't just love you. I so love you. It's like sometimes when I'm trying to express to Becky and I feel like maybe the word love is not enough and I say, I love you so much. Or when I'm trying to express to my grandchildren how much I love them and I asked little Davin this past year, I asked Davin, I said, Davin, how much does Papa love you? And he goes, to infinity and beyond. And he stretches and he's trying to stretch further and further because I want them to get the fact that it's love and how we show and we demonstrate that love. I shared this with you before, but when we came down to see them, when we came down to see them in September, Davin came over and he knelt down beside me and he says, Papa. I said, what, buddy? He said, I prayed and asked Jesus that you could come see me, and that's why you're here. And I was so excited that he's beginning to connect answers to prayer with Jesus. And I want you to connect answers to prayer with Jesus. I want you to understand, God loves you so much, and my heart's dream and my heart's desire for you as your pastor, and it's why we brought this series of messages to you this month, is so that you will hear the words of our Lord and Savior when you stand before God, and we all will stand before him, we want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. In other words, come celebrate with me. And friends, did you know that by whatever you invest in the kingdom of heaven, whether it's your time, your talent, your treasures, whatever you invest in the heaven, Jesus says you are laying it up in heaven. You can take it with you. It will be waiting on you what you give to God. You see, the grace of Christ is so important in our lives because Jesus could have said this, my blood is my own. My life is my own. Why should I give it to people who will not love me? My blood is my own. My life is my own. Why should I give it to people who are going to beat me, spit at me, mock me? It's how we live our lives when our enemies treat and despitefully use us. But instead, Jesus laid down his life because he not just loved, he so loved the world. Christ might have said something even far truer. He might have said to us, why should I give my life for people that when they commit their lives to me, somewhere along the line, many of them will decide to abandon the way. They will decide to backslide. Let me use that word. They'll decide they're going to be like Joash, that when Pastor Jay died, that instead of following on with the Lord and saying to those mentors who wanted him to turn aside, saying to him, the Lord rebuke you. I will not live that lie. My pastor taught me better than that. My parents taught me better than that. I was taught in Sunday school and children's church this. You see, it takes pardon my French, but it takes guts to finish this race the way God has called us to finish this race. And you see, the more we give of ourselves to achieving what God has called us to do, we will discover the words that Jesus knows this morning and that Jesus lived out where Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus gave it all for you, and one day you and I are going to stand in the presence of the Lord, and I can't wait to hear those words, Jerry, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? To me, that is so exciting. 
So first of all, then it means that my life goals require a beginning. My life goals require a good beginning, a strong beginning. How you begin is important. You know, we've looked at, and I encourage you to go back to the app on uh, your phone or on the website. I encourage you to go back and listen to all these messages because Pastor Corey kicked it off with the most important message of the whole series, and that was we want to live our lives to the glory of God. And he taught us from the Word of God, how to live our lives that way. We looked at the power of a focused life. We looked at how to live a joyful life. We looked at how to live a successful life. And today, we want to wrap it up. So how do you finish? How do you accomplish the life goals that you want to happen in your life? So first of all, what do you prayerfully want to happen in your life this year? And you may want to write this down on a, in the margins of your notes or in your phone somewhere, but what do you want to happen? What do you want to happen in your marriage this year? What do you want to happen in your career? What do you want to happen if you have hobbies? What do you want your spiritual life to look like at the end of this year? Do you want the very best marriage possible? Do you want to understand intimacy in a new way? Do you want to be able to celebrate with your wife or your husband all the joys that God intended for you to celebrate? What do you want to happen with your children and your grandchildren? In my 12 life goals for this year, there are things about my sons and my, my daughter. There are things about my grandchildren in there that I want to see happen because I dream about the very, very best possible life that we can have. You say, Pastor, you're shooting for the stars. Well, I may not hit the stars, but I promise you I'll hit the moon. It's why I told you at the very second message of this series, I only accomplished 60% of my goals last year, but I had some very big stretch goals. And when I made those goals prayerfully, I didn't realize there was going to be a COVID virus. But you don't stop when the trials come. You just simply stay focused. So what do you prayerfully, and by prayerfully, I don't believe any follower of Christ should set a goal without praying. Go to the Lord and say, God, what do you want my marriage to look like? What do you want my family? What do you want to happen for me in my vocation this year? And just prayerfully go through those facets of your life. Second, acknowledge what happened last year. Write down what took place. I have never lived a life like 2020. None of us have. We've never seen our whole country shut down before. We've never seen airlines, except for 9-11, go through the time, an extended period of time that we have. We've never seen the cruise ships docked and not able to sail. And I got to tell you, I say this somewhat sarcastically, I really missed cruising. I have never been on a cruise in my life. My wife loves it, but I can't imagine anything more boring than to be stuck at sea and not able to do what I want to do. But my wife loves it, so once it's safe to cruise again, 2020, I saw how much she missed it, and so I'm going to go on a cruise. Pray that I do it cheerfully, okay? Pray that I do it cheerfully, and because eating all day long just doesn't excite me about anything like that. But anyway, 2020 was a year. It was the first time I ever had an Easter service with nobody here. I mean, can you imagine gathering? As a matter of, in my journal, when I I look back over the last year, the most painful Easter that I can remember was the Sunday morning that one of the members of our praise and worship team went to heaven, passed away on that Sunday morning, and to come here to preach. And then I would say the second most painful was standing in this sanctuary when we're generally just 
packed and people are worshiping and praising the Lord and children are here. It was a year like no other. So acknowledge, but learn from what happened. We learned a lot of lessons about the strength of our congregation, about our ministries and how to do ministry. We learned a lot of lessons so that we were able to continue to reach out and serve our community and love our community well. We learned a lot of lessons about home life and family life. We learned about the new dynamics when couples and children are home home day long together. I was down in the basement and my phone rang in my pocket and I pulled it out and I answered the phone and a man's voice said to me, Pastor, pray. I says, why? He said, I've never spent this much time with my wife. I've never spent this much time with my children and I think I'm going out of my mind. Well, you know, it wasn't that he didn't love his wife. It didn't, wasn't that he didn't love his children. He just didn't know what to do and how to handle these. So acknowledge what happened and learn from it. And then we learn how to adjust or alter the actions as a, as a result of that. That's how we get started. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8, finishing, listen, finishing is better than starting. And patience is better than pride. So you and I need to learn how to finish well. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. Because the abuse of alcohol skyrocketed last year. Sky- Listen to this. According to the Journal of the American Medical Association, women increased their heavy drinking episodes, which they define as four or more drinks within a couple of hours, by 41%. Friends, that's almost one out of two women in the United States turning to alcohol last year rather than turning to Christ and their family or what other things. And before we throw rocks at them, let's, let's be honest, before we throw rocks at them, let's think about how, what did we do? Did we turn to Netflix and find ourselves binging on movies and TV shows? Did we turn to Facebook and social media and find ourselves going down the rabbit hole and getting lost there? What do we do with those extra available hours that happened to us? One of our strongest ministries at Woodland is a recovery ministry known as AA, and not them not being able to meet and gather the way that they normally meet and gather together was a painful in a difficult time, but I'm so proud of the leadership for the way that they stayed in touch. I found myself praying for guys this year, remembering a young man in a doctor's office that came over to me when he was removing a cast from my leg after I broke my leg, and he said to me, Pastor Clanton, I want to thank you so much for the AA ministry. And I looked at him, I said, do I know you? He goes, No, we've never officially met. And he began to tell me what AA had meant to him and how he found help and how he found Christ. And friends, I want to tell you something. There is help in Jesus that you cannot find in a bottle. There is help in Jesus that you cannot find in Netflix. There is help in Jesus that you cannot find in any other club or organization. When you come to Christ, you will find that God will discover, God will help you discover not only how to live your life successfully, but how to live your life joyfully. He will equip you, he will encourage you, and he will also exhort you as you go along in life. Secondly, identify your next steps. What have you got to do to accomplish these dreams? What have you got to do to accomplish these goals? Now, I'm going to make a confession. Between 
Thanksgiving and between the end of Christmas break. I did not step on a scale. And the reason I have a scale that measures body fat, takes your heart rate, and all this good stuff, I refused to step on that scale because I wanted to enjoy all of my wife's delicious cooking. I wanted to enjoy all of your delicious cooking. So I ate banana bread. I ate German chocolate cake. I ate German chocolate cake. I ate German chocolate cake. And did I mention I ate German chocolate cake? (laughs) I love German chocolate cake. When Christmas break was over, I went in begrudgingly, painfully, and I stepped on the scale. I gained exactly 10 pounds. Now, how many of you sinned as boldly as I sinned during the holidays? One, two, three, four. Okay, gradually hand. It's like giving an altar call for people to get saved. Gradually the hands go up. I mean, I sinned boldly. I enjoyed it. But now it was time to pay. So I identified my next steps. I wanted to lose 10 pounds by June the 1st. And so I said to myself, what have I got to do? I've got to eat healthier besides exercising. I've got to get myself on a strict regimen. I called my daughter-in-law, my daughter-in-law Dana. She's an excellent cook. She, she plans out her menu. She only cooks healthy food. When I go to her house, it's all healthy. Healthy, healthy, healthy. There's not a taco chip in sight, you know. So she cooks healthy. So I called Dana and said, Dana, help me out here. And so what she does is she told me, she says she follows dietitians, registered dietitians. She uses their cookbook recipes. She works on a six-day meal plan. She posts it so her family can see it. She has three boys. And she says, with boys, things get tricky. My grandsons, if it's green, they don't think it's good. They just don't think it's delicious. And so she has to come up with clever ways to be able to serve them food. So she's found out she can get them to eat vegetables as she roasts the vegetables and serves them. And she says, I use a lot of frozen veggies because she has three sons. One of her sons is severely disabled and and requires a lot of her time and her attention. So she describes frozen vegetables as being super easy. And she uses a wide variety to to avoid boredom. But the key thing that I see Dana doing is she's writing down those next steps with her cookbooks and her recipes and then posting it so her family knows what they're going to have to eat. I took Dana's advice. I began, what am I going to eat? What am I going to do? I didn't go to any registered dietitians. I just asked Dana because she's smarter than I am in this. And my wife has been cooking really healthy. I'm well on my way to losing that 10 pounds. Look at Genesis 24, verse 49. This is Abraham's servant. He's trying to find a wife. That's how they did it back in the Bible days. He's trying to find a wife for his master, for his master's son, Isaac. And so he says to him, when you tell me what what you need me to do, I'll know what my next step should be and whether to move this way or that way. Look at me right here. Having a goal is not enough. Your goal has got to be specific. I want to lose 10 pounds by June the 1st, and here's how I'm going to do it. And then you list out those steps, and it motivates you. It keeps you going. The third thing I'd say then is schedule your next steps. Schedule what those steps are supposed to be. Now, 
it's important to know, if you go through the Bible, you're going to see a phrase called the fullness of time, the fullness of time, the fullness of time. If you carefully go through your Bible and really pay attention, you'll see there was an order. Threes are very important in the Bible, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, your spirit, soul, and body. Genesis 1 through 3, you can't understand the Bible without really studying Genesis 1 through 3. You don't see God walking back in the cool of the garden anymore with human beings until the book of Revelation. I can't get over, I can't impress you how much that important that three is, so you need to remember that because when you schedule your next steps, you want to write them down and put them in your calendar and remember what are the big rocks. For my life, it's a seasonal thing. I, you know, the, the church calendar affects my life the way a farming calendar affects my, my family's life back home because so many of them are in agriculture. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. Next, next, this is your next step. Next, learn to put aside your own desires so that you will become patient and godly, gladly, gladly letting God have his way with you. This will make possible the next step. Now, hard stop. Look at me for just a second. If you're going to accomplish your life goals, if you want to stand before the Lord, not as one of my professors used to preach, with a thimble crown, but you want a real crown to place at his feet. If you're going to hear from the Lord, well done, then this is so important. Putting aside your own selfish desires so that you become patient and godly Letting God have his way with you. We don't sing it anymore, but there was a song that I grew up singing that's just part of my, so many times in my devotions, when I will kneel before the Lord while I'm praying and say, have your own way, have your own way. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. It's why I said we prayerfully set our life goals of what God wants to accomplish. Well, let's go on. This will make possible the next step. Once you decide who's Lord in your life, if Jesus is Lord in your life, then this makes possible the next step, which is for you to enjoy other people, to like them, and finally you will grow to love them deeply. God doesn't want us to go through our lives fearing people. God doesn't want you to go through your life if you're a if you're in sales or if you own a business, fearing your customers. He doesn't want you to go through life fearing your competition. If you're a politician, God doesn't want you to go through life fearing your constituency. God doesn't want you to go through life fearing whether your children are going to love you or not love you, or whether they're going to like you or not like you. These are the fears that I've heard from people over the years. When you put God first and you fear God first in Him only, God says, you free from every fear. Once you fear him and reverence him, then the Bible says that God will make even your enemies be at peace with you. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Isn't that a wonderful? In my Bible, I pulled out one of my old, old Bibles this week. Matter of fact, it was the first new international version of the Bible I'd ever bought before. I bought it in the 70s. And I remember going through a difficult time where I was very frightened and I prayed, I remember praying, and as I was going through that Bible, and you mark your Bible, you date it, and what you're dating it for, 
I came across one of those passages that the Holy Spirit laid upon my heart, and it took me all the way back nearly 30 years ago to how the Lord kept his word. Hear me this morning. If you're going to love people, you've got to love God first and foremost. If you're going to love your wife or your husband, you've got to love God first and foremost. If you're going to love your kids, you've got to love God first and foremost. If you're going to love the body of Christ, if you're going to love your enemies and bless them rather than curse them, you've got to love God first. So what does this do when we schedule our next steps? What does this do? Number one, it reduces the friction in our life. When we do our calendar planning, we look very, very hard at all of the departments and the ministries of our congregation. We look at the calendar not only for our congregation, but our community and the schools, and we look to reduce freedom, friction for your sake and for your planning. Second thing, and I got this from Dr. Mel Ming, who used to be the president of our seminary. Dr. Ming, I asked him to come in and do a leadership conference for our pastors and our youth pastors and when I was in Georgia. And he said something that I thought was so important, use a tool that you would enjoy. I had all kinds of people at that time saying, you should use this, you should use this, you should use this. You know, people in those days, if you remember daytimers, and if you remember Franklin planners, and if you remember when the first little electronic organizers came out. And I remember that night, Mel and Becky and I were sitting around talking afterwards, and I said, Mel, that was so freeing to me. Do you know how many people are trying to persuade me, use this tool or that tool? He said, for some people, a simple notebook in their pocket. My daddy always carried a little notepad in his pocket with his list that he would check on and off, and that's where I learned to be a list maker was from him. You know, other people would come saying this. He said, use whatever you enjoy using. Here's the key. If you enjoy using it, you will come back to it. Decide if your calendar should be shared. My calendar is shared with Becky. Our family calendar is shared with our kids. I, my, my, my church calendar is shared with Joanna. Johnanna, she can make or cancel appointments for me. The pastors have access to it. Where does your schedule need to be shared? Focus on the rule of three. Remember I told you we'd come to that. Because what are your three most important life goals? The third message in this series, I told you I had 12 life goals this year. I don't know if I'll accomplish them all. I'm working real hard to accomplish them all. They're stretch goals. They're big goals. They're not resolutions. They're goals. They're things I prayerfully prayed about that I feel like God, most, that God said to me, this is what I need to do. Now, here's the key. Every single morning, except for Sunday, every single morning, I open up, I look at my goals for the year. And then when I do my weekly planning and my weekly preview, I look at how can I make progress on the three most important of those goals this quarter. Then when I make my daily plan, I ask myself, how can I, what can I do today to make progress on those goals? Every day may not always have one of those big goals, but because I'm looking at them, reviewing them, and writing them down, most every day I have got, this is important, and I didn't get to share this with the first service because of time. I have a personal goal, I have a family goal, and I have a ministry goal. Those are the three most important areas of my life, and I'm going to show you that in just a minute. I have a personal goal, a family goal, and a ministry Every single day, if you were to look at my calendar for 2021, you would see that. You would see that for last year. So 
What can you do today? Remember the 80-20 rule. We've talked about this before, and that is that 80% of the results or the fruitfulness or the success you enjoy in life is going to come from the 20% of the most important things you do. Now, those three goals, this is important. I have a lot of other things I have to do. Right below that is all those little tasks, those little honey to-do lists, those calls that need to be returned, those emails that need to be answered, those little decisions. That need. But I'm going to give the best part of my day to getting those three big goals accomplished. Does that, does that make sense? Because 80% of the success you're going to enjoy in life comes from the 20% of what you do. I juggle seven various big projects every single week of my life. Seven of them. Seven that require a lot of time. Seven that require a lot of thinking and a lot of planning. And so I find myself getting those done because if I don't plan for it, something is going to come up. For instance, let me just give you one that I'm working on right now. With the new variants of the COVID strain being found in Michigan and, and having a weekly update um, with, on how, what's happening medically, what's happening uh, in our community, in our state, and in our particularly right here in Downriver, I'm having to really ask myself, how are we going to celebrate Easter this year? What are we going to do for our children this year? And I have come against prayerfully the spirit of fear. I think the enemy has been taking fear and has been separating people, been separating churches. It's been hurting our businesses. And I have begun in the name of Jesus, say, Lord, we just come against this spirit of fear. It is not of you. Perfect love cast out all fear. It doesn't mean we're foolish. It doesn't mean we do stupid things. I still wear a mask when I go out in public, and I do that to protect other people. I wash my hands so much they're all cracked and bleeding, and I'm using lotion. I had a nurse call me this week and says, Pastor, please pray for my hands. They're bleeding constantly because of all the hand sanitizer that I'm having to use. I prayed with a nurse this morning after service. So it's important that we understand we still do the smart things, but we do not let fear rule our lives. Somebody say amen this morning. And so I want you to agree with me on that. But we want to celebrate Easter with our children, with our families, and we're trying to look at, I'm trying to get at least three good solutions how we can plan for Easter. And that's part of our staff meeting this week as well. And then identify your big wins from last week. Identify what your top three are going to be for this week. And then ask yourself what's to do on your list. It's called putting on the oxygen mask. We've all been on a plane. We've all avoided it. I got bumped up to first class on an international trip. And because I'd heard the talk so many times, I'm sitting there in first class. I was so happy to be in first class. And all of a sudden, there was a tap on my shoulder. And the flight attendant, very pretty flight attendant, very friendly flight, with a big smile on her face, she says, you're not paying attention. I had never had that happen on a plane before. I think you get treated just a little bit nicer in first class. Back in the back, they don't care if you listen or not. But she, it mattered that I listened. And so I listened, and later we were talking, and we were laughing, and I said, you know, I'm not used to being rebuked like that. And she goes, it's amazing how many people do not pay attention to the most important thing we say and do on this flight. And friends, it's important 
If you're going to hear Christ say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If your children are going to gather around your casket and say the things you hope they say at the end of your life. If your neighbors and your friends and colleagues are going to eulogize you the way you want to be eulogized, it is important that we plan those big rocks and then all those other little things so that we finish our life goals as passionate followers of Christ. Can you say amen? Now, here's a little slide, and I just, you know, I don't want you to be obsessive about this, and I'm almost out of time, and i got one more point to go. And I'm not putting this up here to boast. What I'm just trying to show you, I do this every single week. This is last week of my life. I do this 52 weeks. I reduce it to 12 months of the year. You could look at my schedule. I'm not, I don't want you to obsess. You don't have to do what I do. But these are the three big things in my life. And then all the rest of my life is divided, and those labels you know, are not important. This is the most important thing that I do right here. Because if I don't spend time with the Lord, this is not sermon preparation. This is not sermon writing. This is not planning church calendars or events. This is personal time with the Lord. It's why I get up at 4.30 in the morning. I grab my coffee and I go meet with the Lord. This is connecting with people. These are the meetings that I had this past week. Some of them were Zoom. Some of them were in person. This is connecting with people. This is where I study. This is not writing. This is where I study and pour over the Word of God with what He has to say. And then the rest of my life, my family, my ex exercise, you know, everything that, my, you know, being a good steward of our fine, it's all contained in those other slices of pie. Now, here's what I'd like you to do. Where are the biggest slices of your pie going? Your time will not look like my time, and it shouldn't look like my time. It should look like your goal. So, here's my challenge to you. Here's my challenge to you, and, and listen, don't obsess over this but keep a time log this week. Where are you, if, you're, if you're looking at Facebook, you say, Pastor, is there social media up there? It is, but it's that tiny little beige sliver. And, you know, I don't like beige, but it's that tiny little beige sliver. And you say, Pastor, why is it so big? Because I do a daily prayer update. How many of you know that? I do a Saturday night prayer service. How many of you know that? Other than that, I really don't do a lot of social media. I post every morning a verse of Scripture, and I just simply keep up with what I'm doing and how I spend my time. And by the way, if you have an iPhone, you get a report at the end of the week of how you've used your phone or something like that. Anyway, this is very important that you know where your time. How many of you know where your money's going? Right? You should know where your time is going. If you know where your money's going, you should know where your time is going. Benjamin Franklin says, Dost thou love life? Then do not squander time, for that is the stuff life is made of. And in the fullness of time, you and I will stand before Christ. Well, finally this morning, establish daily routines. I didn't think a whole lot about this until I began to listen to people like Dr. Mel Ming and others. And... I've discovered just how important, there's some things that are routine in my life. I get up in the morning, the same things I do every day. I kind of go through the same thing before I leave to come home at night and put things, what I call, in a mental file drawer. I know I can't deal with them that evening, and I want to be fully available to my wife and our family. 
But as I've read and studied more about this, and I read the book, I've read it four times now, Atomic Habits by James Clear, and it's not on the list of recommended resources that I'll go over at the end of the message. I've come to realize how important this really is, establishing daily routines. So early this morning, I woke up, and after praying, there was a question that popped in my mind, and it kind of felt like it was a download, and that is, what I do today matters. What I do tomorrow matters. What I did yesterday matters because tomorrow never comes. I only have the promise of today, but what I'm doing today reflects who I really am. Does that make sense? It reflects who I really am. Now, I've been hyper clean this week. I've been hyper-domestic this week. You want to know why? My wife is gone, and my daughter is gone. And I didn't, I knew that they were going to come home on Sunday. And I'm telling you, after church, I don't want to go home and have to wash dishes. I don't want to have to go home and make the bed or anything of that nature. You know, those aren't things I typically have to do. And so I got up this morning and I made up the bed. I'm sure the coffee cups are washed away and put away. I get to go home this afternoon and relax. Does that sound good? You know, those routines, it's a new routine for me. And you're saying, well, Pastor, you're spoiled. I admit it. You know, I, I'm spoiled and I love my life. But I did those things this week and I had a whole new appreciation for Becky. Now, let me tell you why. I had a whole new appreciation for Becky. How many of you have ever heard of a weighted blanket? We have a weighted blanket on our bed. That thing weighs 35 pounds. My wife will never make the bed up by herself again. And she's listening right now, so I've got to keep my word. I, I was shocked. I called her and I said, I didn't realize it was so difficult to adjust this blanket and put this blanket up there. And she just started laughing. And you know what she said? You are spoiled. I love my life. I love my wife. But here's what I'm saying. You've got to have personal routines. You've got to have spiritual routines. You've got to have health routines. And you say, well, pastor, where do I find the time? My brother-in-law is a beekeeper. I love honey. I eat honey every single day. But I did some research, and I sent this to him. And it is, listen, one honeybee makes only one-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey per year. Imagine what a twelfth of a teaspoon is. One honeybee makes only one-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey per year. In my cabinet, I have a five, excuse me, I have a pint jar of honey. It took the labor of 5,760 bees to make that pint of honey. So you say, how do I do this? One chip at the time. One twelfth of a teaspoon at the time. You may have to form new habits. You may have to really think through your life goals. But if you will keep God first in your thoughts, Psalm 77, verse 12, keep God first in your thoughts about your day, your life goals, your vocation, your hobbies, your reading, your study, your parenting, if you will keep them first, they are constantly in my thoughts 
I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Look at me. You will begin to see the hand of God in your marriage. You'll begin to see the handiwork of God in your children and grandchildren. You'll begin to see the hand of God at work in your career. Things that you thought that maybe were not as important or people that you thought were maybe not as important. I remember being in Paris when the garbage strike hit. Suddenly, that beautiful, romantic city, I could not wait to get out of there. As a matter of fact, we did get out of there. It smelled so bad within two days of summer because of the stench, because the garbage collectors. I pray for our garbage men all the time. I'm thankful for them. But you begin to see the handiwork of God. I will meditate on all your works and on your habits. I will meditate. God has habits. God has works that he does. And so David says, I will think about, because as I think about what God is doing, it raises the bar for me and it increases my vision because I am made in the image of God. I am not a product of evolution. I was created to do the good works that God planned our lives for. Can you say amen? Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray with you before we go home. I want to show you real quickly just some, a list of, of resources that I've made available for you that if you want to look at them. First of all, the Bible. I want you to go to the Bible this year. Read five Psalms a day. On the 31st of the month, use Psalms 119. If you'll read five a day, you'll get through them. Read a chapter of Proverbs a day. But then this year, focus on Ecclesiastes, the Gospels, the book of Romans, and Philippians. Now, these are all on the app. These are on the website. Or if you want me to email them to you, I'll be happy to email them to you. Just email us at office at Woodland. But I want you to read slowly through Ecclesiastes, through Psalms and Proverbs, through Romans, through Philippians, through Acts. If you'll read slowly, you're going to know how to finish your life goals with joy. Next slide, please. The book Free to Focus is all about Life Management, Life Goals by Michael Hyatt. Michael is a passionate follower of Christ. Zig Ziglar has been a heavy influence in my life on goals. The Blessed Life by Robert Morris is much more than a book on, on uh, stewardship. It's about using your time, talent, and treasure. Divine Time Management by Elizabeth Grace Saunders. Let me talk to you a little bit about this book. I originally bought this book to read because I thought it would be a good book for, for women, but after I finished reading the book, this is a book for women and men. It's a great book. As a matter of fact, I've spoke with Elizabeth, had enjoyed almost an hour-long conversation with her about life and time, so I highly recommend this book. She's a passionate follower of Christ. If by Mark Batterson, if addresses those if questions, what if I did this, what if I did that? And then the best book on prayer I can recommend to you is Walking the Path of Prayer by Jack Hayford. And then Essentialism by Greg McEwen. I read that book this week and just decided I had to add it. Just about reducing everything to the core. Greg is a Christian. Deep Work by Cal Newport. I've recommended that one before. And two by Pastor John Piper. Now, this book, Risk is Right and Rethinking Retirement. God didn't call you to retire and sit in your lazy boy and watch the days go by. You have more wisdom now than you had when you were 30. 
You have more experience now than you had when you were 50. God has blessed you with wisdom and experience and a story that we need, our community needs. So I'd like you to read that book sometimes this year, Rethinking Retirement. I believe there's, besides the Bible, I believe there's 11 resources I listed there, if I remember correctly. If you would take one book a month and just take it, none of those are long books. I think the longest one was Elizabeth's book, but none of those are long books, but I ask you to take time and read those this year. Well, Father, we love you. We want to finish our course in life and hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. We're going to celebrate, Lord. We're going to celebrate what you're going to do in our lives. Father, forgive us for letting fear. Forgive us for letting discouragement. God, forgive us for not dreaming big dreams because we've been hurt or wounded. But I pray, heal us today. Encourage us. Equip us, Lord. Empower us by your Holy Spirit to go forth and live and do the good works that you've created us for. God, help us to live prosperous and productive lives for your glory and honor. Now, with every head bowed, let me talk to you this morning online or maybe someone here. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, or maybe you remember what I talked about at the first of the service. Joash started out great. He listened to his pastor. And maybe you're one of those that you've backslidden. You've turned away from the ways of the Lord. You have listened to a new group of mentors or teachers who flattered you for your open-mindedness. They flattered you for how you've changed and matured. And now you found yourself further from God. Or maybe you found yourself defining God in a way that the Bible doesn't define God. And this morning, the Holy Spirit has knocked on your door and say, one day, you're going to stand before me. He doesn't want you to commit your life to him out of fear. He wants you to understand what I said earlier. God so loved you. Remember what I said? Sometimes I just say, Becky, I love you so much. Devin, how much does Papa love you? To infinity and beyond. God loved you so much that he gave Jesus to die for your sins. And if our sins didn't separate us from God, there's no way that God would have afflicted such punishment upon Christ. But our sins required that Christ go to Calvary. So I'm asking you today, would you pray this prayer with me? Just pray something like this. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. I know that I've sinned. And like this pastor, like everybody in this room, I've fallen short of the glory of God. But I believe that you paid for my sins at Calvary. 
And as much as I know how, I commit my life to you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that, Pastor Corey's going to come and he's going to share with you a Bible that we'd like to give you, a Bible that you will really enjoy reading and is chock full of helps. But one other thing, heaven celebrates right now, celebrates what you've done. I had to learn how to celebrate. One of my goals means that on April the 4th, I told the first service April 1st, and Becky called me and says, we're in the middle of our 40-day fast, so you can't do it on April 1st. But I can do it on Sundays because we don't fast on Sundays at Woodland. I'm going to have German chocolate cake because by then I'm going to have lost those 10 pounds. God wants to celebrate with you today. God bless you. Pastor Corey. Thank you so much for joining with us. And if you prayed that prayer with Pastor Tay, we, we have this book here that we'd love to give to you. If you're watching online, if you would just email us at office at woodland.church, let us know you prayed with us today, and we'll send this to you, and it's going to help you with your next steps and your journey on faith, and if you're here and you prayed that prayer, please stop by one of the tables as you're exiting, and, and uh, just ask for that book, and we'd be glad to give it to you as well. Also, don't forget to give today. You can give so many different ways, text, website, app, also um, by check and just dropping it off in the offering as you're leaving. Don't forget Take the communication card, fill it out for us, and place it into the offering as well. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.